Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. We are in the middle of a sermon series, Sermon on the Mount. Come on, Sermon on the Mount. This is our second to last sermon. So come next week as we close off the entire series. And guess what? we got a new series starting after that, Hot Topics. We're going to be talking about everything from abortion to immigration to marijuana. Everything's going to be on the, on the subject. So come, it's going to be awesome, okay? But this week and next week, it's all about Jesus' final warnings at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 5, 6, and partial of 7 has already happened. And now Jesus has given us four warnings. How many warnings? Four. In Spanish? Cuatro. In Filipino, Tagalog? There we go. Come on. That's the Filipinos right there. Yeah. I'm excited. And today we're going to learn number three. Look at Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them. Somebody say, Jesus will tell them. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I want to let you know about this sermon series, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving the most important discussions about his kingdom. It's all about what Jesus says. Let's follow along in the notes, please. You're always online and on the website. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you're ever ministering to your friends and you want them to know about Jesus, say, just read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Of course, the book of John is the whole book that gives them the story of Jesus. But if you just wanted them to know the basic teachings, just say, man, hit my Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because there we learn the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, forgiving our neighbors, turning the other cheek, giving, and it will be given back to us. Come on, somebody. We need to learn those principles. Then number two, he's talking to disciples, not just churchgoers, not just people who are like deciding if they're in or they're out, not just priesters, people on Christmas and Easter, but he's talking to disciples. disciples. Let's say to he's talking to disciples. Can we pretend we're excited about that? He's talking to disciples. There you go. And what is a disciple? A born-again, committed follower of Jesus. So they've been born again in their spirit. They know God. God is alive in their soul. And then they study like I see many of you studying today. They learn God's word. They put it into practice. They teach it to others. That's a disciple. The way I like to look at it is Jesus is my sensei. So if you look at me and I'm doing all kinds of whack karate stuff, you're going to say, man, who is your sensei? If you've been watching kung fu movies, you know, this is the only thing you know. Well, if I said some great person was my sensei, like, like Gracie or one of those guys with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you would say, man, you hadn't studied under him because you got whack style. I don't like your Wu-Tang. Are you listening? Right? Like, I don't like your style. So people are saying, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And you're looking at their life and it's no different than the world. They're not really following Jesus as their sensei. They've just been playing make-believe on the Kung Fu station or whatever, you know. Read your Bible, put it into action, be a disciple. we got enough hypocrites up in the church. We need some disciples, baby. That's why I always tell people, come here, we'll show you some disciples. Well, I'm tired of all these hypocrites. Well, come right here, I'll show you a disciple or two. Amen. Amen. I mean, you, you can't find a perfect church because ain't everybody perfect in the church. Amen. But I'll show you some disciples. I'll show you some people laying down their lives for Jesus, following his teachings, even when it hurts, and doing what he says unto his glory. Is anybody like that here today? Amen. Amen. Ten of you. Praise God. That's 
all I need. Jesus had 12, changed the world. And the last thing, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, it's all about kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth one day. I was watching the movie Noah. I could not even go out and spend money on that in the theater because I already had trusted people tell me that that you know, Russell Crowe movie was going to be whack. But I had no idea how whack that movie was going to be. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. If you saw it, you'd know what I'm talking about. Like within the first five minutes of the movie, I'm like, did you all not check the script? Where, where, what Noah are you talking about? They're like, there were watchers in the days of Noah, fallen angels that were looking like rocks and helped build. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you had a script. All you had to do was read the Bible and make a little movie about it. You know, add some special effects and all that. But anyways, I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, people really don't have any idea what God is about. They painted God in that movie like he was a big meanie. Like he was about killing people. And like really if you were against God, you were a kind person. It was weird. I don't know if anybody caught that nuance that was in there. But it was almost like God was the uncompassionate one. And when the angels in heaven wanted to help Adam and Eve who had fell, they wanted to help him. Then they got punished. Did y'all catch that? And it made it out to be like God's a mean God. That God's all about punishment. He's all about doing things his way. And actually, Russell Crowe, who plays Noah, who's like that murderous lunatic, he is supposedly doing what he said God told him to do. And when he spares children, that's him acting out of his own humanity, not acting like how God wanted him to act. I mean, it's, it's that twisted, y'all, if you haven't seen it. But my point being is this. The kingdom of heaven is not just about setting this place on fire because God wants to see it burn. The reason why God has to set this place on fire and renovate it is because sin is destructive to our soul. It's sin is destructive to our society. Sin is destructive to your family. And so right now, we're to be praying, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to be praying that heaven starts here. Point to your heart and say, here. Yeah. You see, I'm supposed to start treating my neighbor better here. I'm supposed to start you know, loving you as I love myself here. And then one day, yes, he is going to put an end to all the wars and establish here and be a literal king in Israel. Why do you think Israel is still the center of our attention in media right now? We are in the end times. Don't have time to talk about that, but that's one of the subjects I'm going to be doing in hot topics. Everybody go hot topics. That's one of the subjects. It's going to be Israel. Why is it always about Israel right now? There's something going on there. But we have to understand the kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. First in our hearts, not upon the earth. That's what the Sermon of the Mount is about. He's saying, change here, guys. Change here. And one day I'm going to change it up here in the whole world. You're going to see it. You're going to see God's kingdom rule on this earth. Does anybody believe that? He's coming back. Armageddon, the battle. Okay. Let's look to the interpretation of the scripture we just read. Jesus said, let's get this in our heart. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who wants people in heaven more than we want to be in the kingdom of heaven. He wants you there more than you want to be there. He said, many will come to him on that day when he comes back to rule and reign. Many will say to him, Lord, Lord, I know you. And he'll say, depart from me. You never did my Father's will. Think about that. The first thing we get from these words of Jesus is that not everyone who says Jesus is Lord does God's will. Everybody just say that with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus Let's Lord. say it again. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my master. See, we can all say that, but that doesn't mean we're going to live by that. And Jesus wakes us up in this message, and he says, not all of you who say that are doing my Father's will. 
And he's saying, I will tell you on that day, I don't know you. Jesus boldly stated to the disciples of that time, not everyone who calls him Lord, which means master, are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven when he actually comes to rule on this earth. Look with me in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. There is a kingdom to come. Revelation 20:11. Come on, work it toward them Bibles, y'all. Revelation 20:11 says, when he comes, he's going to judge the world. Yet he's warning us right now. He's saying, not everybody who thinks they know me really knows me. Not everyone who calls out my name is one of mine. Revelation chapter 20, the end of the book, John the Revelator is giving us a revelation, an insight to the end times. I believe that John saw these things. How many believe the Bible this morning? Amen. I may be dressed in shorts, but I still got my hair slicked back. Amen. I'll be a TV preacher for you this morning. No, but you know, even though I'm casual, I still believe this. Does anybody else believe it with me this morning? Then I saw a great white throne. See, bam, there's the kingdom come. As it is on earth, as it was in heaven. It's coming, literally. But where does it start? Right here, right? So this day, it's literally now here. It's no more, I got Jesus in my heart. No, Jesus is on the planet now. It's like, oh, I just love Dito Jesus. No, he's on a white horse. He's got an army of heaven with him, okay? Then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it. The whole earth and the heavens fled from his presence. And there was no place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, great and small. Great and small. Bill Gates is going to be there. Muhammad is going to be there. Small people. Like people like you and I. Who don't have a big name. We're going to be there. Right? Big and small. Standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was open. See, there's books over here as it's giving the picture. There's all these books over here. But then there's another book all by itself over here, which is the book of life. Somebody say the book of life. The dead were judged according to all that they had done recorded in these books. Then it says the book that by these books, and another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what was done, according to the books. The seed gave up the dead that were in it, death and Hades, that's hell, gave up the dead that was in them. Each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and hell were thrown into where? The lake of fire. Somebody say lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the what? The second death. So if you just think, oh, when I die, it's over. No, you're going to die again. In hell, if you have not accepted Jesus. And those names who were not found written in the book of Life were thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, so it says, the Bible says he sees a throne come down. Jesus is reigning on that throne. Over here are books. Over here is one book. This book over here is called the book of life. And only those who get into the kingdom to rule and reign with Christ are those who have their names written here. If you don't have your name in the reservation of heaven, the book of life, your deeds, all that you have done are in these plural, massive books. How many know that before Christ you had some books written on you about the sins and the things you did? Somebody say books. You see, today, God is trying to tell you, if you do not accept Him and have your name written in the Lamb's book of life, you will be judged according to your deeds. And one sin, so somebody say one sin. One sin. One sin will convict you guilty of being a sinner and condemn you to hell. Just like in our court system, if you've murdered one person, you can receive the death penalty. And it doesn't matter after that if you've murdered a hundred. If you're in a state that believes in the death penalty, one is enough to get you to die. Are you with me? And in the kingdom of heaven, Adam and Eve got kicked out for how many sins? One sin. 
And what did they do? They just disobeyed God and ate a fruit that they weren't supposed to. Now track with me here. Jesus is talking about this day. He's giving you an inside conversation that is happening on this day. Because obviously there's people that are coming up to the judgment thinking that their name is in this book, but it's not. Instead, all their life is written about here, and they don't just have one sin, they have many sins. And now what do they cry out to Jesus, their judge on the white throne? They fall on their knees, and what do they say? Lord, come on, Lord, you know me. Jesus, you know me, Jesus. Why is my name not in that book? Lord, Lord, let me enter into your kingdom. And what does he say back to them? Go to the scripture now of our text. Matthew 7. Go back to the notes. Look at the top there. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who's shouting out, I know you, Jesus, actually has their name written in that book. And so that means they're going to be judged by their sins. Now I want to ask you a question. Are you sure of your salvation today? Are you sure that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? You may say, Pastor, how do I know for sure? By following that verse. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It didn't say only those who were baptized as children. It doesn't say only those who came to church. It says only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. See, there's an application that we need to hear from Jesus' warnings. There's true disciples and there's false disciples. There's true people who are really meaning that Jesus is my Lord. And that's because their name's written in that book of life. And Jesus has transformed their heart. And now they are living with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength for God's will and God's commandments. And if they sin, they repent. But their heart's desire is not to sin. Because Jesus has set them free from the power of sin and death. He's given them a new life. They're a new creation. Old things have gone. And new things have come. And that person can be sure that their name's in that book. Why? Because God has transformed their life and they please Him. They please God. I was just thinking about, you know, I always give these little birthday things. Many of you, how many of you have received a happy birthday message from on, on Facebook from me? On Facebook from me, a happy birthday. For like the last three years, what is it? Happy, happy birthday. Live for Jesus. Now it's happy, happy birthday. Make each day count for Jesus or something like that. Why am I reminding people of that on every birthday? Because you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised another tomorrow. Live for Jesus today. Be sure of your salvation today. Now let's go to the second part. Go to the second part. He then says there's a group of people, many, they're not few. Somebody say many. many. This puts the fear of God in me, y'all. Because Jesus doesn't say there's only a few people now who claim to know him. He says there will be many people. And look at how he describes these many people. Does he say many people will say I was you know, doing drugs, stealing? No, no, no. It says there will be many people on that day who will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not drive out demons in your name? And did we not perform many miracles? then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. 
away from me. The idea of away from me is he's pushing you away. Away from me. Revelation chapter 3.16, he says he spits them out of his mouth. They literally make him puke. He says, away from me. Get back. You're not coming in. Who are these many people? Criminals? No. Adulterers? No. People who are a part of churches, discipleship type places, where they actually believe in prophecy, driving out demons and miracles. Are you in a church today that still believes in prophecy? Yes. Do you know why in our worship times we pause between the singing and then the time of announcements and ask if anybody's heard a word from God? Do you, do you know why we do that? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the Bible says that when we gather together, that many people are being given words from God and should be allowed to speak them out. So we give an opportunity to do that. Now, we've asked in this church that you would do it in our discipleship so we would know who you are. So you don't say, I've heard the Lord tell me. That all y'all are supposed to give me your money this morning. I really feel Jesus telling me to have you take me out to forward the child. Oh, sorry, Brandon, that would be you. No, I'm just kidding. Him and I love forward the child. But we ask in our church that you at least be in our discipleship so we know who you are, that your word can also be tested. But why do we do that? Because we believe God is still speaking. So the kind of people Jesus is saying are going to miss him. Many of those kind of people are kind of people like you and me. How about drive out demons? There's probably not many of you who have even seen that much of a supernatural power of God. So those of us, like myself, some of the pastors and leaders who have actually seen demons driven out, and maybe we want to put a star next to our name in the kingdom of heaven or think we're getting a special place there, God is saying, I'm talking to you guys now. The guys that really love me and really go after me. I want to give you this warning. And then he goes on to say, miracles. Miracles. I mean, come on. This is an on-fire Christian according to our standards. A person that prophesies. A person that casts out demons. A person that sees miracles. And Jesus is saying, there will be many of them. Many of those kinds of people that I'll say, I never knew you. You didn't know me, Jesus? How did you not know me? See, one of God's attributes is he's all-knowing, omniscient. How can that be true if God says he created all of us, he knows us all by hair on our head, knows us by name? How is it on this day he's telling us he don't even know me? He didn't know me. He does not recognize me. You know why? Because there in the Greek, the word know is a word of intimacy. He is saying, I don't know your heart, and you don't know mine. He's saying, I don't know your heart, and you don't know mine. You see, because relationships, has anybody here ever been in love or is in love? Amen. If you're sitting next to that person, just tell them you love them right now. My child has a double ear infection and pink eye. I love my wife for taking care of him today. And I was almost going to have him come to church. She was like, I don't think he's feeling good. I'm like, he looks good enough to me. She's like, no, I think he's sick. Now, I think he can make it through church today. We got Brandon coming. He's going to be all right. She ends up texting me. He, got a, he has a double ear infection. He has this. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Dr. Mom was right again. But love, 
For God is God knowing your heart. Think about this. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody and something comes up that really changes the way you know them? And, and it could be good or bad, but I just want to talk about something good just for a minute. Like my one friend was just here last week. He was up here for the Legacy Conference. And he told me, he said, I grew up the whole time thinking that the man who was raising me into my 20s was my dad by birth. But he wasn't. He was my adoptive father because my real father left me. Now imagine getting over that shock as a 20-year-old, but then beginning to understand the amount of love that that adoptive father had. See, he learned something about him he didn't know before that just changed everything. Like you chose me, you loved me as a child when I could give you nothing, you protected me when someone else abandoned me. I didn't know you like that. Have you ever been in love with someone and they tell you, I had a crush on you from this time and you never knew they had a crush on you and you look back on that and you're like, man, you, you loved me and had a crush on me back then? I think of my wife, Nancy. We were out witnessing in Mardi Gras, and it was the first time she was ever hanging out with me. I didn't know her. She was living in Chicago. I was a pastor in New Orleans, and we were out preaching, and we met these sign guys who were like being really mean and harsh to the gay community, kind of like you've seen on TV before, like, God hates homosexuals, things like that, like West, Westboro Baptist. And I saw these guys, and I was like, Jesus is not like that. Jesus loves people. We need to you know, give them a better message. And we got into this big argument, and I, I, they were yelling at me, and actually cussing me out, supposedly in the name of Jesus, cussing me out. And then one of their bodyguards, because the gay community always wants to beat them up, so they literally have to have bodyguards standing arm to arm that stop people from getting to the ones preaching. The bodyguard actually had to come and pull off one of the preachers because he wanted to come get some of this. That may not have gone well for him, so praise God for that bodyguard. No, I'm just kidding. But he was wanting to start a fight, and the bodyguard was like, leave him alone. We're supposed to be Christians. Like somebody out of the folly there had someone of sense. Not two of it, just one cent of sense. But anyways, Nancy walked away from that, and in her heart, that's when she started crushing on me. Now, I never knew that until we got together, and then she tells me that. And it's like, you, you loved me then? That's what people don't like about me. Nobody wants to be around me when I'm like that. But you, you loved me like that? You see, that changes how you look at that person, doesn't it? And you see, for some of us, we just see Jesus somewhere off here in the distance dying on the cross 2,000 years ago for murderers and bad people and all these different things, but we don't really know Him like we should. And that's what the born-again experience is supposed to do. It's not religion. And it's not just going off and doing miracles in His name. It's actually saying, Jesus, you mean you did that for me? You mean I was a sinner in your eyes and you died for me? I never knew that about you, Jesus. I never knew you loved me like that. Do you know as a preacher, I almost missed this? I almost became this person. 
Between me working at a church here in Chicago and starting our own church, I began to get bitter in my heart towards the ups and downs that I faced as a pastor. And I started wondering, has God really got a call on my life? Does God really want to use me? I mean, did he lie to me? Did he put me out to just embarrass me in front of people? I never asked to be a guest speaker. I never asked to be a preacher. Never asked to be any of this. And now I'm not good at it. And so the Lord told me to go feed the homeless and go take care of people in downtown Chicago. And I was out there one day at Belmont and Clark, and I was helping this, this homeless person that had nothing. And I was telling him, that Jesus loves you. You know, just with everything that I had, I was saying, Jesus loves you. And he said, well, no, Jesus doesn't love me. I've done all these things. And I was quick to respond, oh, but Jesus loves everybody. Jesus will forgive you. And then he said, oh, but, you know, I, I haven't been a good husband to my wife, and I left my children now, they don't even know me. And I was quick to respond back to him, yeah, but Jesus will forgive that. Jesus will bring you back to your children. Jesus will bring you back to your wife. And then I went into the car, and Jesus said, you're saying that to him, but do you believe that for you? Jesus said to me, do you believe I still love you? Even after people have left you, you've done wrong. Do you believe I still love you? Do you still believe I care for you? And at that moment, I'm telling you, I had a choice to make. Was I going to keep doing miracles in Jesus' name without knowing Jesus? Or was I going to let Jesus know me like how he wanted to know me? And by him revealing that part of himself I never saw before, I was like, Jesus, come on, brother, help me preach. I was like, Jesus, that's who you are. You're not just far off in the distance helping poor, miserable sinners. You're also right here with a pastor. You love pastors. You help people get through mistakes in their life when they should have known better. Jesus, I never saw you like that. Now I want you to know me more than I've ever shown anybody else. Jesus, I'm hurting on the inside, and I can't even tell my own wife, but I'll tell you now because I want you to know me as I know you. God, I feel lonely. God, I feel left alone. I feel abandoned. But God, you said you would never forsake me. I want to know you like that. See, Jesus is not saying, let's do a whole bunch of good things now to make our way to heaven. That's not what this message is supposed to do in your heart. It's supposed to get you to stop and say, it's not just about my words. It's about a relationship. And I can miss it by trying to make God a religion. Instead of having him be my father and to be the one that I can call on when I need him. Not everyone who says Jesus is Lord actually does God's will. Number two, many spiritually, look at the notes please, many spiritually gifted people really don't know Jesus. And then lastly, Jesus says this parable in a different part of the Bible about true disciples in Matthew 25. He says, true disciples love to do what I do because they love me. Think of it like this. Why do I love God's commandments? Because I love God. Why does the child really obey their parent? Because they love the parent. Look at the application as we get ready to close out and pray. I'm setting this brother up to sing us a song today. Come on. Because we go into glory, man. There's some people here that want to shout it out today from their heart. Jesus, I love you. I'm feeling it right now. Look at the application. Number one, repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord and really mean it today. You can mean it. How many have really prayed?
prayed to Jesus and said, Lord, forgive me. Uh, you're my Lord. I'm, uh, you know, your child. I want to live for you. How many have really done that and been born again? Okay, those of you who have, haven't, you need to do that. Number two, you need to do the Father's will by obeying Jesus' commands. Look at 1 John 5, verse 1. Quickly, 1 John 5, verse 1. If you love Him, you will do what He commands. You won't have to be forced to do it. You'll desire to do it. How many want to know Jesus intimately? How many know He's inviting you to come do that? What is worship? Just time spending with Him intimately. Opening up your heart. Look at this verse. Everyone. Somebody say everyone. Thank you. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is what? Born of God. See, it's not a works thing. Not that you've got to do better to try to get in. No, believe in Him. And everyone who loves the Father loves His child as well. Now look at this next verse. This is how we know. Somebody say, we can know. See, this is how we know. Look at your neighbor and say, you can know. Come on, tell somebody, you can know. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commands. Do you love God? Do you love His commands? If you're born of God, you will do that. It will mean something to you. Why don't I steal? Because I'm born of God. I love God. Why don't I lust after other women? Because I love God. What does sin show me in my life? Whenever as a Christian I sin, what does it show me? Does it show me that I lack self-discipline? Does it show me that, uh, you know, that I'm confused? Or Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, there's a bad part of me, a good part. God, you see on the cartoons, there's a good angel, a bad angel. No, you know what sin shows us? I did not love God enough at that moment to choose Him over that sin. I loved my temper more at that time. I wanted to let my temper fly. I wanted to keep these selfish goods for my, you know, keep these things for myself and be greedy because I didn't love God enough to give it away. I didn't love God enough to keep my eyes only on my spouse or a heart pure. Let's go back to the notes. Number three, fall in love with Jesus and know Him intimately every day. As Brandon was, was saying in the time of worship, look at Ephesians 3.14. As Brandon was saying in that time of worship, the angels are not bored in heaven, even though they're doing what appears to be the same thing. And the reason why they're not is because God is so multifaceted. He is so intriguing. Do you know that there's scientists who get geeked out about studying leaves and frogs, and they'll spend their whole life doing it. There's people right now just studying the human body, and they'll spend their whole life doing it, and then they'll actually pass on that information to the next person, to the next person, and they'll just keep studying the human body, learning new things about the brain, the mind, the, the organs, how they function. Now imagine God. He is infinite. So whenever He started and created those angels, and they started flying around, for them just to catch up on all that God has been would take eternity. So they could never get to the beginning of God. Imagine that. I created you. I want you to know me as you fly around me. Start by knowing my past. They could never know it all. Then now know me in the moment. Do you know that Jesus in the moment is all powerful? That means that he contains everything of power. So in the moment, you could still not grasp everything of who he is. Just like you could not grasp the known universe. You don't have the capability of knowing.
knowing a known universe, let alone the God of all power who created that universe. And then God is the first and the last, and he says, now get to know me every day, and I'll show you a new part of me. That's why the angels aren't bored, because they can see something in God's past, present, and future that they never saw every time they fly around that throne. Now, how can you and I sit up in this church and say we get bored with God? How dare we now say, like, oh, I know all about him. Oh, I know about his love. I know he died on the cross. No, you don't know him as you can know him. There's so much more about him. Look at Ephesians 3.14. Good thing I didn't bet you because I'd be owing you 20 bucks right now. I'm closing it out. I'm shooting for 35. I'm sure it's better. Three minutes, Jesus. Look at this. Ephesians 3.14 in closing. This is what God tells us to do in our relationship with Him. So you confess Him. You say you love Him. Obey Him. Now fall in love with Him more and more every day. Look at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Guys, can you put it up there? Thank you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Everybody say, for this reason. This is why we kneel before God. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your innermost being. Get ready. He's telling you, he's praying. Paul's praying that you can have power by the spirit to do something. What? To get a good parking spot at Walmart? To be out in the sun and not get burned? To save money on school supplies? Why is he giving us his power in our spirit? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be rooted and established in what? Law? Being rooted and established in threats? Rooted and established in fear? No. Rooted and established in love. In what? Love. In love. That God will grant you power on the innermost being. Listen to what Paul is saying. Then he'll give you power to do it because it's not humanly possible to do it without the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the power to grasp how much God loves you. That you'll be rooted in it. You will be established in it. And when hard times come, why do you make it through? Because you're so smart and you got an education. You make it through because God's love is your foundation. How does your marriage make it through? Because God is your foundation. How do your children make it through? Because God is their foundation. How do we find joy and hope in a world gone mad? Because Jesus is the foundation and it's based on his love. Like, oh, you did that for me. You died on the cross for me. You came to take sins for me. That I might have the power together with God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. Somebody say, and to know. Come on, somebody say, and to know. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled. Filled. Shaka. Come on, Jesus. Filled. Fill us to the 
Jesus Christ.